Hi and welcome to the Positivity Podcast. This podcast focuses on connecting with people from all different backgrounds and walks of life from around the world. Throughout this podcast you'll listen to people's stories, their experiences, the trials and tribulations that they've overcome, why they do what they do and current trends. Topics may vary from personal development, mindset, people sharing stories, authors, coaches, ex-military personnel, professionals and everyday people in walks of life. I hope you enjoyed this podcast as I aim to connect with people for them to share their story, their experiences and why they do what they do because I have a deep interest in humans and providing valuable content to the audience. If you would like to be on this podcast, you can email me at thepositivitypodcast.gmail.com in the notes. You can connect with me on social media in the notes, Positivity94 on the Instagram. If there's any tips, any advice, any feedback, I would highly, highly appreciate it. So let's get into the show. Thank you for your support and I hope you enjoy this episode. Subscribing really, really helps and, you know, I appreciate all your support. Um, I hope you enjoy this show. Tuning in, trying to find out how to win. Go along and tell a friend. Marathon, you know the game. Keep on running, never end. Getting better, make a man. Adam got it, Adam got it, Adam got it, Adam got it. Possibility, 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 in. Right, um, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, uh, my friend Tom, and we've got a special guest today, um, Operator Starsky. It's a pleasure to have you on our podcast today. Thank you so much. Nice to have you here. Oh, you're welcome. And um, yeah, like basically, you know, there is a you know situation in Ukraine, and you know, you're based in is it Kiev? Oh uh, yes, I'm currently in Kiev. Uh, I've been staying. Uh, in Kiev and around uh, areas of uh, Irpin and uh, Hostomel mainly since uh, February 24. Uh, and uh, my brigade is uh, partially here defending Kiev and Hostomel and partially there on the east. Uh, we have our battalion tactical group uh, working there since uh, last year, probably. Mm. And so, like, when the, you know, the invasion took place, um, like what where was you like what was you doing was you currently still in the in the military or was you what was you doing something else alongside that sure i was uh, there with my brigade uh, as soon as this invasion started uh, i was uh, uh, here in kiev uh, actually uh, i was pre prepared let's say for for this uh, uh, invasion on uh, 24th of February uh, because I've been uh, watching uh, media I was analyzing messages that uh, were coming from Russia and uh, I pretty much 
knew that uh, something's gonna happen on February 24th. So uh, I was prepared. Uh, I packed my bag and stuff. Uh, you know, I turned off uh, water and electricity at my home, stuff like that. Uh, and uh, on, uh, I I think it around four or five a.m. Uh, I already got up because uh, we had a bunch of explosions uh, here in Kiev because uh, Kiev was uh, hit by Russian missiles. Uh, numerous times that that morning so i was already on my way to to the job uh, and when i was en route uh, i've been called from my base because we have uh, this uh, kind of whenever something like this happens uh, we are being called uh, by our communication center and uh, ordered to gather at the base. So I was already on my way to base when I was called. Uh, yeah, and uh, when I arrived, uh, appeared that uh, our base was also hit by Russian missile. Uh, but again, because it was a high precision Russian missile, it didn't hit anything important. Um, so yeah, but the, the, the crater was huge. Imagine, Brani. I yeah, can imagine I'm... the sort of the sort of adrenaline that, that, that would be going through you, you know, when you get a call like that. Because I'm I'm sure it's something that you, you probably train for. Um, but I, I guess when the call comes through, it's, I can imagine it's a whole different a different ball game. Um, so you you said that you knew that through like communications that this was something that was sort of in the pipeline and was sort of on the way. Was there any sort of, um, did you do anything, I guess, in the weeks or days sort of following, uh, well, before, sorry, the call came through? Did you did you change anything? Did you do anything differently to, to better prepare uh, for, for this, for the Russian strikes? Um, you see, we were preparing all the time. So it's not like uh, we were preparing specifically for this current situation, but we were preparing for uh, something like that uh, to happen. Uh, for example, we had uh, our uh, training alarm on our base, and of course, uh, we were defending uh, Hostomel. My brigade was responsible for uh, defense of Hostomel airport that was attacked that day. Uh, and we had uh, training alarms uh, like on 20th, uh, 22nd, 23rd, and if attack didn't happen on February 24th, we would also have uh, like uh, training that day. So we were preparing all the time. It's it's like militaries do, you know, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's like not, we weren't preparing specifically for, for this to happen, but we were uh, training to be able to react to whatever threat uh, could appear. Yeah. Um... And as well, like since this has been ongoing, like I really, you know, love your YouTube page and, you know, the content you put out and the documentation that you have been putting out there, because I think there's a hell of a lot of misinformation that some people put out onto the, onto the media, whereas yours is legit and you're, you're reporting as things are happening, as it's developing and, and what's been going on. And you even do like Q&As and live streams and, you know, you let people into what is going on and you have a great sense of humor in your content as well 
thank you so much. Well, yeah, you see, um, not long before this invasion, I uh, I also had my uh, YouTube channel in Ukrainian for our Ukrainian audience, and uh, basically, uh, it, it was the same. I mean. Uh, we've been talking about informational hygiene. We we've been talking about Russian propaganda because uh, this war actually started like eight years ago for us, for Ukraine, Ukrainians, with the uh, annexion of Crimea, with Russian troops in Donbass, those covered Russian troops that came without patches, that uh, destroyed uh, Malaysia MH17 bombing. And uh, uh, of course, we had this uh, hybrid informational warfare here in uh, our territory as well, coming from Russia. And uh, I've been uh, explaining things like that to our public as well. Uh, we've had numerous fakes. Uh, one, actually, I, I must say that uh, I wasn't so much scared of full-scale invasion as I was scared of, you know, this uh, this propaganda, because had Putin uh, invest more resources, put more efforts into this informational warfare and make us Ukrainians fight against each other, create more pro-Russian political parties, more influencers, more TV channels uh, and stuff like that, we would we would uh, lose this war 100% but instead of that this idiot launched numerous missiles and uh, i i think that those missiles hit uh, his uh, main weapon his propaganda on the first place and that very day he lost the war yeah i think it's it's you got the the combat going on, haven't you? Then you've got the you you know the war on that side of things, and you've got the war with all the propaganda and the information. There's there's a lot going on. I mean, I think with you know being in the UK, I have to be very selective because I'll send my friend Tom links and articles to what's going on, and then we have to kind of decipher what is you know, what is legit, what is real, and what, what's accurate, and how far, mm. how long was that information recorded? Because, you know, things happen so quickly, don't they? Yeah, yeah, it's all very well seeing something come through on the news. And like, as you said, sending it to each other, and we both going, oh my God, oh my God, but, you know, is it is it real? Is it is it staged? There definitely is that element to it. Um, you know, Operator, do you, think, do you think Putin will now try and invest more in the information war side of things? Um, following following on from your comment earlier, do you think he'll try and turn Ukrainians on each other more than I assume what he's trying to do already? Uh, the fact is that they're spending uh, tremendous money on, on Russian propaganda, on informational warfare. Uh, as of 2018, uh, according to data from our uh, Council for uh, Security and Defense of Ukraine, they have spent uh, $4 billion for external propaganda. And uh, wow. that's only the top of the iceberg. So you can imagine just what kind of resources they they are spending for that. And uh, 
that's uh, th that was actually very very effective weapon because propaganda was and remains uh, their most powerful weapon i would yeah. say um but uh, you know uh, when i started this uh, channel in english uh, i wasn't sure if i should do that at all but uh, i decided to try and uh, when i started this, this channel uh, i realized that uh, people outside ukraine have basically same problems like we had here in ukraine so they are also subject to this propaganda and fake news and uh, they also require uh, some kind of guide uh, in terms of informational hygiene fact checking and so on mm -hmm. so yeah i think that uh, i can also use my experience that i uh, acquired here uh, working with ukrainian audience and uh, hopefully help our allies our friends uh, from other countries yeah i also think it's it's pretty amazing you know the, the courage of the ukrainian people and how much support um you know countries have given to ukraine you know i think especially the uk i saw an article we're training ukrainian soldiers in the uk on um different weapon systems and things like that and i think you know it's just it's just amazing you know like the courage of yourselves and you know the support that you know is being given to yourselves um you know i think you guys are you know doing an awesome job thank you yes and uh, of course it's amazing to see all that support from foreign countries i mean uh we we could never like imagine that this might happen you know uh and uh yeah judging from all the support uh, all the, the people from other countries that uh take care of our refugees and send us humanitarian aid and train our soldiers i think that uh we we have never experienced anything like that ever before in our history and i'm talking like global history uh of course we had a lot of uh uh, programs uh, a lot of uh, mutual military exercise with the nato countries uh, my brigade participated in a military er exercise called rapid trident uh, that's an annual uh, military exercise that uh, we have with uh, other nato countries here on the territory of ukraine and uh, i think we had uh, four or five uh, such trainings uh, together with our allies from the UK, from uh, Romania, Poland, and other countries. Um, so I think that uh, we will build some nice foundation, so to say, for this partnership that we have today. And uh, of course, uh, we uh, made our foreign uh, allies understand that we are European country that uh, wants to develop through partnership, through friendship, sharing, uh, I don't know, some, some, you know, common values with Western world and uh, learn better practices from Western countries. And I, I think it's beautiful. Yeah, it really is, really does. It sets that that precedent for the future, I think, in terms of relationships between other countries and, and Ukraine. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I personally wish other countries were doing more, but, um, you know, can't, can't be in charge of the world. <laughs> yeah. And um, like, what is you know, like your, so your current role at the minute? Um, and what is like a day in your routine, you know, day in your life like? So you get up in the morning and what, what kind of, is it, does, it, does it change depending on what's happening? Uh, well, uh, not really. I mean, I have to carry weapons like 24-7, but other than that, I wouldn't say so. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm a communications person in my brigade. Uh, I'm a press officer and uh, among my responsibilities are things like uh, media monitoring, uh, all seen sometimes, and uh, media relations. Uh, we are meeting a lot of uh, a lot of press on a daily basis, um, and of course, uh, we make our boys, our guys. Not because there's not only boys; uh, there are girls as well. Uh, famous because that's what they deserve they deserve to be famous because uh, my guys were responsible for defense of uh, such uh, cities as Rubizhne, Severodonetsk and uh, you can imagine a battalion tactical group that was fighting against most concentrated army of Russian Federation at this point for like four months so it took Ukraine one month to liberate all of the northern Ukraine. I'm talking like uh, Bucha, Hostomel, Irpin, Vorzel, uh, Borodyanka, Chernihiv, and Sumy, and Kharkiv. All those territories were liberated in one month. And then it took four months for Russians to take just a couple of smaller towns by literally demolishing them using their artillery and uh, those towns were basically defended by uh, not so big battalion tactical group of the national guards as well as a bunch of uh, other units that worked together with us uh, ukrainian armed forces police uh, border guards and, uh, and of course, International Legion, uh, the brave people who uh, decided to come to Ukraine and uh, defend democracy and free world. And uh, yeah, I think that those guys deserve to, to be famous. They deserve to, you know, to, uh, to be our heroes and people deserve to know about them. So that's a big part of my job. Do you find yourself speaking to to foreign press a lot as well, or is it mostly sort of internal, internal Ukrainian um, media relation type press? Uh, yeah, I speak a lot to foreign press uh, like uh, CBC, CBS, uh, New York Times, Washington yes. Post, and uh, a lot of uh, inter international news agencies. Uh, recently, people realized that. This very first combat that took place in Hostomel uh, that morning on twenty uh, fourth of February, actually it was one of the most crucial battles of of this invasion. Uh, it was like a turning point in in this war, and uh, a lot of uh, foreign press, a lot of foreign uh, 
news agencies uh, visited Hostomel, and I was honored to talk to them and uh, tell them what happened in Hostomel and uh, tell them about courage of Ukrainian uh, soldiers because Hostomel was defended by a small company, uh, actually a company tactical group, but still, that mainly consi consisted of conscripts, basically kids, young, mm. 18, 19 year old, years old guys who uh, we, we don't bring, bring them to the front lines because basically they're kids, they're not professional soldiers. But still, they were well-trained, they uh, knew their weapons, they knew how to operate anti-air missiles, they knew how to operate uh, anti-air guns, those cannons that we use, uh, ZU-23-2, and uh, they knew how to operate their assault rifles, of course, and uh, they gave uh, those Russian paratroopers a really nice fight, I would say, and uh, we had absolutely zero losses among those guys wow. uh, some of them were captured uh, but majority of them are already exchanged uh, one guy was was slightly wounded but other than that we had no casualties and wow. uh, yeah and and they are amazing and uh, i think that they deserve to be famous as well so uh, we were meeting a lot of uh, foreign press in Hostomel and uh, hopefully hopefully um, I helped a bit to you know to to clarify what what happened in Hostomel that day yeah no it's 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 great like you said you have those you know strong you know soldiers who are well prepared and they you know they know the weapon systems they know the land I think is a big thing they know the area whereas I think like Obviously, I think a lot of the Russians probably aren't too clued up of what is where. And I heard like articles where, you like, you know, there was moving signs around and confusing the Russians, and they didn't know, you know, what where they was going or what road was. I what. saw that as one of the yeah. issues. Yeah, yeah, Com confusing the Russian forces by switching switching <laughs> signs around. Is that something you can confirm? I'm just asking. Yeah, that's true. Actually, you know, uh, when uh, when I drive to my base, I have like couple turns on my way and uh, those signs are still switched places so i get lost every single time i go to my base even despite the fact that uh, i serve for eight years already there and yeah yeah it, it's true um, it's that. i like that i like that do you yeah. um, do you have any like favorite equipment that you use or anything that your army has or anything your army's being being given like is there anything that you particularly like or um you have to comment on I am. Yeah. Uh, do you mean like weapons? Yeah, like yeah, any weapon systems that you particularly well uh I hate our maker of handguns so much because they are so non-precise and they they suck. I mean uh our makerovs and uh just a second. Get some firearms on the positive podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, so basically, this is a copy of uh, of uh, PPK. Yeah, Walter PPK uh -huh. that was copied 
by uh, Russian, Russian Soviet constructors. Yeah. And uh, it was not a great copy. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, does it like jam a lot? And... Uh, it, it does jam from time to time. And also it's not precise. It, it sucks. Uh, but uh, we have a bunch of other handguns like uh, this Ukrainian Fort 12, Fort 14 that our guys using. Um, and uh, they, they are kind of modern, they are precise, they are good. Uh, our recons use that uh, that handgun as well. I don't have one with me, unfortunately. I hope that I will someday. Uh, as for other weapons, uh, I'm not uh, a big fan of Kalashnikov, but I used this gun and I have to use it well, of course. Uh, I'm one of the better shooters in my brigade. Not, not maybe not the best, but one of the better ones. Um, I was first uh, serviceman of our brigade uh, who uh, shot down uh, the drone back in 2017. Uh, the, the problem was that it was Ukrainian drone. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but 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 still, that was um, a heck of a shot, though. Yeah, um, it, it took me like five rounds to to shoot it down, um, and uh, yeah, and uh, one of my favorite uh, weapons, so to say, is Ukrainian BTR three. This thing is amazing. So it has a huge firepower. It's like uh, armored personal carrier that has a 30 millimeter automatic cannon. It has a 7.62 millimeter machine gun. It has automatic grenade launcher effective at range of 1.7 kilometers. And it also has two uh, laser guided uh, missiles attached to this uh, combat wow. module uh, with the tandem warheads, which means that they can penetrate uh, this dynamic armor used by Russian tanks, and you can you you can use this BTR to to conquer planets. I'm not kidding. It's like it's, <laughs> it's an awesome thing. I miss it those like times. Of a weapon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I miss those times when I had one because um, I was a platoon sergeant back in my days, and uh, as a platoon sergeant, I had to be a commander of this uh, BTR because uh, we are basically mechanized brigade. So yeah, yeah. That's crazy. And how did you start off in the, the army, if you don't mind me asking, like, did, did you join as um, quite a young man or, or was it something as you got a little bit older? Actually, it's like uh, I went to the army as soon as the war started. So back in 2014, Mm -hmm. uh, actually, I, I was like in Poland and my uh, best friend uh, joined one of the battalions here in Ukraine and he was captured by Russians. So I decided I should return from Poland to Ukraine and uh, help to some kind of, you know, release my friend. Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as I arrived, he got changed exchanged i mean for for our uh captured terrorists mm -hmm. and uh yeah and after like three days of 
drinking and celebrating, I joined uh, one of Ukrainian voluntary battalions, and this is how I, I went to the front lines. Actually, it wasn't a military battalion, it was a uh, battalion of police special force. Uh, and uh, after like a year of service in this battalion, I decided to pass a selection program uh, to this uh, new brigade that was uh, like uh, created in 2015 in the National Guard. And so, yeah, I was among those lucky guys who passed this brigade because um, among, I think, 50, among 50 participants, only 10 were lucky enough to pass. Wow. It's not many at all. It was kind of hard. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty intense. And um, wow. I'm just thinking, like, as well, I've got a question, just thinking about, like, you know, like, obviously, you know, as, as a soldier and, you know, the situation, um, you know, your, your focus has to be, you know, kind of game for what, for what you're doing. Like, what do you do to kind of, like, relax, kind of, like, you know, kind of manage, you know, say, stress, that kind of thing? First of all, we have a bunch of uh, anti-stress techniques that are taught by our military uh, psychologists and uh, different uh, volunteers, civil, civil volunteers that uh, visited our brigade and uh, they had this experience of uh, helping people to uh, get relieved from adrenaline stress, you know. <clears throat> so there's a bunch of specific techniques. And uh, as for non-combat stress, I mean, like everyday stress, I think that uh, you should uh, award yourself at least a couple of times a, a week, you know, with uh, with something, with doing something that you like, like uh, eating some nice food, for example. I mean. Uh, in my age and current status, food is probably the only thing that, that brings me joy. Uh, but uh, yeah, nice food, probably like, uh, I don't know, going to the gym. Uh, I returned to, to my gym because it was used as a bomb shelter for like three months. And so it was wow. closed, but uh now it uh, it's it's open back so yeah so i returned to my gym so it's open as a gym again now is it yeah that's good isn't it that's good yeah and uh doing things like that things that bring you joy and uh, make you rest a bit from you know from all the stress from everything that happens yeah definitely you have to have that downtime don't you to do things for yourself and have that time yeah, yeah. And uh, for example, I'm a huge aviation enthusiast. I love things like Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020, you know. Uh, I Unfortunately, I don't have much time to play, but uh, when I do, yeah, I, I, I feel so much relaxed after that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And like, Tommy, you got any questions at all? Um, I think they're kind of like propping up as I as I as I go along. Um, yeah. I think I think as as the war um, stopped when when Russia started shelling, obviously it made its way into the West Indies pretty pretty damn quick. And then other sort of documentaries started popping up 
uh, and one of which they were speaking about an arm of the National Guard, which was called the Azov Battalion or the Azov Regiment. Um, and I, I remember seeing a documentary about them. This was about, I think it must have been about uh, two months ago now, but I haven't heard anything from them since. Are the Azov Battalion still still going? Are they Are they still part of the National Guard? Uh, yes, so uh, Azov Regiment, uh, it, it, it was regiment, uh, now it's uh, in Ukraine, we call them uh, like Special Forces Group, so they belong to uh, Special Forces of the National Guard. Uh, they are active, uh, they have uh, units uh, in different uh, regions of Ukraine, and uh, those guys that were uh, captured in Mariupol, it wasn't full Azov. They still have a lot of uh, a lot of their uh, teammates, so to say, in different regions of Ukraine. They uh, they are fighting successfully in the area of Kharkiv, Mykolaiv, Zaporizhia as well, and uh, uh, of course uh, they are uh, volunteers. Uh, they are fighting together with them, guys from uh, Chechnya, from uh, from Georgia, uh, Azerbaijan, and other countries. Those volunteers that uh, come to Ukraine and uh, join this fight. Yeah, because I did see a few articles, and I I kind of thought the same. Because like the the media I was seeing was that I thought those all held up in that um, iron. What's it called? The iron the iron works. I thought the whole people the whole kind of regiment was there. Azov steel. steel. That was it, yeah. Um, so, like, it, you know, it's good to have that clarity on, you know, that they're all, you know, there are yeah, still going. I never heard anything anything from them since since that sort of news article came out. But, yeah, no, good to hear there's still different parts of, um, different parts of Ukraine still going. That's good to hear. And I, I saw one of your videos where you're talking about, like, you know, who you are and, you know, your, you talked about your dad. Like, I know your dad, he, he has a lot of... Um, history as well like you talk about a bit more about what your dad did as well yeah yeah he was a uh, soviet officer before I, before i was born uh then when uh, ussr collapsed uh, my dad became uh, one of the first officers of independent ukraine and he did a lot to uh, create armed forces of ukraine uh, as they are today you know, and uh, yeah, he he participated in peacekeeping uh, missions to other countries like countries or former Yugoslavia. Uh, he operated in Sarajevo a lot, uh, bringing uh, those convoys with humanitarian aids to uh, cities that were blocked by uh, Serbian troops. And uh, he brought a lot of footage from those places you know and uh, I was just a small boy I think I was like seven years old so I was watching all that and uh, uh, yeah I, I remember clearly that I I would never believe that uh, such thing can actually happen in Ukraine as well uh, but uh, yeah and and basically those uh, Serbian Chetniks for example those Serbian snipers uh, that were uh, shooting Bosnian civilians back then. 
a lot of them joined this war in Ukraine as well. So they joined uh, this war on the side of uh, Russian forces. And uh, in already in 2014, uh, we were fighting against the, those uh, Serbian mercenaries as well. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, you know, like the history and, you know, like kudos, you know, to your dad for, you know, his service and, and what he did. And like, I was just thinking about, you know, like Chernobyl and what happened. Like, I, I couldn't believe that some of the Russian soldiers did not know, because you talked about in your video that they didn't know about what happened there. And you said that um, one of the one of the staff members there was telling them to dig deep, deeper into the trenches which then was going to, you know, release more, you know, radiation. It, like, what's the situation? Is it like, what's the situation there in Chernobyl now? Like, since they, are they are that, is that all cleaned up now? Like, what is the situation there? Uh, well, it, it's, uh, it's an abandoned area in Ukraine. It's, it's still an abandoned area and it will remain abandoned for like hundreds of years, maybe thousands from now. Uh, because of uh, radiation half-life, you know. Uh, and uh, yeah, thing about those Russians was that they basically didn't know where they were. I mean, a lot of them didn't know about Chernobyl at all because uh, a lot of those uh, Russian soldiers came from the deep Asian part of Russia, and I'm talking about rural, uh, wild parts of Russia, uh, areas like Buryatia, Yakutia, you know, um, people still live in very, very bad conditions there. They don't have water, they use pit toilets uh, and, and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, a lot of them don't uh, even speak Russian well, you know. So uh, they were brought there like like cannon fodder and of course they didn't know history of that place so uh that uh, employee of uh, chernobyl power plant uh, told me that when he saw those guys those buryats with uh, radiation burns he said it it looked so uh, like so uh unbelievable so so crazy uh so yeah and uh of course they they not only dug trenches in that red forest in, in ukraine we call them we call it uh, yellow forest or like ginger forest uh, so not only they dug trenches in that red forest they also used the soil to fill the sandbags and they used those sandbags to uh, build their checkpoints, to build their positions. Oh, they were sleeping on those sandbags with that magic land. And they received a lot of magic as a result. Yeah. Jeez. It's, wow. It's like a killer. That's crazy. But yeah, I guess you get those isolated Russian deep villages, don't you? Where people aren't really living the same way we do all the what the majority of Russia would, but it sounds kind of sad that, you know, they didn't even know about the, the Chernobyl disaster and just, you know, we're filling the sandbags with, with irradiated soil. It's quite sad actually when you think about it.
and also um you know like with Zelensky I think it's you know it's pretty incredible you know the work that he's been doing as well and you know how he's been networking with different countries and I know Elon Musk helped you guys out with many different things with is it like Starlink he helped you like with your internet um did you kind of uh, think that Zelensky would you know do such a good job that he's doing um um, as as a military, I didn't didn't discuss much, you know, efficiency of our president before as well as today. Uh, but uh, I can say that uh, everyone, including us, were impressed uh, the day uh, our president said that he doesn't need shelter, bring us weapons, you know. I was going to mention that that, that yeah. sent a shock to the West. That did. I think that was one of the least expected lines. When I heard that, I was like, "You, you, you were a legend." <laughs> that was my reaction to that. <laughs> that was absolutely badass. And uh, yeah, um, I, I can say I'm proud of that. I'm I'm so proud. So uh, I think that he does his job, and uh, he talks to our. Uh, foreign audience as well to our allies to our friends i doubt that uh, we would have such a great support from our uh, colleagues from all around the world if not uh, his contribution you know because uh, he did a lot for for this to to become possible so yeah i i think he he, he does great he does great job I think like as well from the footage I've seen online, I think, uh, do you think like this is like the kind of war we're seeing and the conflict, we've, it's like something that we've never really seen before and, you know, the weaponry and, you know, some of the systems being used. I've seen videos with small commercial drones flying over and then they're being used, you know, to do surveillance and they're being used to do different things. Um, you know, even drop, um, you know, munitions from them. Like, I think it, it's something that we've never really seen before. And it's, it's, um, it's something that's, that's developing, isn't it? And I think it's, it, it's pretty scary when you, when you see some of the footage, like what, what, what is possible? If that makes sense. Yeah, it's true. And uh, I must say that those drones, uh, they are kind of disposable. I mean, drones on, on this war, it, they are like disposable material because uh, we are losing a lot of them in the, in the uh, combat. Uh, a lot of them get uh, jammed by uh, Russian uh, electronic warfare machines and stuff like that. Uh, so uh, we constantly need more and more drones. Uh, unfortunately, because there's simply no, you know, uh, no invulnerable drone nowadays, uh, no drone that can, um, you know, uh, defend itself against uh, electronic warfare, uh, Russian electronic machines and stuff like that, uh, Russian bullets and Russian anti-air uh, missiles as well. So a lot of drones uh, are being lost in this war, unfortunately. Uh, and I must say that Russians have a lot of those. Uh, they are using a lot of uh, Chinese uh, DJI drones, uh, Mavic drones, uh, as well as we do. Um, 
but we also use different software that uh, not sure that I can tell you much about it yet, but you will know sooner or later. Yeah, it's it is incredible, isn't it? Like um, the amount of things that you know you can use at your disposal that you um, you you would never kind of think of being used in that kind of environment. And like as well, um, do you where do you kind of like how long do 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 you kind of have an idea of how long it's going to be dragged out for? Um, is it is there a a time scale you have that you kind of hope it going to be? If that makes sense. Right now, it ends hopefully. I hope it ends tomorrow. Yeah. I would really do. Yeah, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, on my level, I cannot tell you yeah, uh, yeah. how many uh, days, months, maybe years it will mm. still take for us to, to be victorious. Uh, but I'm 100% sure that Ukraine and whole world is going to win this war because... Uh, Russian invaders must understand that at this point, uh, even not directly, but the whole uh, democratic world is fighting against their aggression. And uh, you literally cannot defeat the whole world, no matter how hard you try. This is not the way, this is not the way uh, any country can exist and develop and progress not through isolation, not through economical uh, economical isolation, not through uh, warfare against the whole world. This is not the way we do business in, in the civilized world nowadays. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, sorry, Tom, do you have any concerns? I was just gonna, I was just gonna encapsulate what you said by saying it, it's, it's an attack on freedom. It's, it's, it's an attack on the free will. Um, I don't, Putin is not gonna, not going to win. You can't just take on the free world and win. You know, he thought it'd be as simple as just marching through, but he's realised that he must realise that it's just futile. And I, I really hope he just gives up and and it stops as operators said tomorrow because that that would just be the best outcome for everyone. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And I think it, it's had such a ripple effect on so many things. I mean. Even like, you know, like over here in the UK, like the cost of like living, like uh, fuel, like, you know, like the, the fuel like is, is gone ludicrous. And I think, you know, obviously probably with the situation, it's affected lots of countries, hasn't it? In so many ways you would never ever kind of think of that. And I, and I didn't realize how many like Russian oligarchs were even in the UK or how much, what, what even an, an oligarch was, I'd never heard of that before. So it's, I think it's highlighted a lot of different things. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad that people understand that uh, it's Russian aggression to blame hmm. for, for those fuel prices and food crisis and stuff like that. Because, uh, yeah, if Russia uh, hadn't started this invasion, nothing would happen. Nothing like that, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And like, just run a question do you have any like kind of role models or anyone who kind of uh you look up to in general in light life uh i think like uh ricky gervais he's nice <laughs> he's he's a legend yeah yeah uh, uh carl uh, uh pilkinson 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I, in, in my personal opinion, this dude is great. <sighs> he just says it how it is. He's very oh. straightforward. He's like, yeah. Yeah. I like Ricky when he, when he picks apart the celebrities at the Golden Globes Awards. I, I like rewatching that on YouTube. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, Jason Statham. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, he is bald and he looks good. Uh, and of course, he is uh, more popular uh, among women, among ladies. Yeah. Unlike me. Uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm trying to you know, uh, get as close to this image as, as I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're, um, they're good guys. They're funny. And I think, you know, they're, they're not afraid to say things as it is. Um, I mean, that's, that's how you should be, isn't it? It's that, you know, freedom, freedom of speech. Uh, and I think that's one of the awesome, you know, things with the internet today that we can do podcasts like this. You can post your, you know, your YouTube content and, you know, everything that you post. Because I think, like, as well with that, did you, did you have, did you think it would explode like it has? Because you've got a couple of hundred thousand subscribers on your channel and you've got such an array of um content like did you think it would it would blow up like it did did you think that never in my life uh because the day i posted i think the third uh video in english on my channel uh i went to sleep having like seven thousand subscribers and i woke up having 57,000 subscribers i i didn't think about you know uh, about that uh, but uh, actually I would prefer to be just unknown press officer of the National Guard uh, if if you know if this war never happened I honestly do yeah definitely and it, but it must be very very reassuring and it must be nice to have all that support you know in the comments and people supporting you know ukraine and, and the work that you do because you put you must put you know you put a lot of time into you know what you do and i think it's you know the footage you, you put out there is is awesome um i watched one of them where you found like you found like a drone and you was taking it apart and looking at it and uh you know visiting places yeah yeah unfortunately i don't put enough efforts into you know promoting my channel i don't put enough efforts into informing people uh due to my other duties because uh again th this is not the channel of press officer starsky this is my private channel that i use to bring people some kind of knowledge some kind of experience some kind of stories interesting stories facts and finds that uh we have here um, on the front lines and uh, yeah and th that drone it was it was hilarious I mean for the first time in my life I saw uh, this uh, fuel tank made of plastic bottle I'm I'm serious they made this fuel tank out of pla empty pla plastic bottle with uh, you know and uh, like not a single part in this drone was made in Russia, except for its uh, airframe. So yeah, the, the craziest thing, of course, was that uh, that when I saw that uh, Canon photo camera stuffed inside, it was so hilarious. It was 
kind of genius, of course, but uh, genius not in terms of, you know, creating like cheap drone that flies and does its tasks and stuff like that. But it was, it was genius in terms of stealing plenty of money due to corruption in Russian army and then making some kind of cheap drone that still flies and does its tasks. So, yeah, it was genius from this perspective. It, yeah, it just shows you how kind of like probably desperate they are really, uh, you know, and to try and make something really. And like I, I sent Tom like these links, these videos, footage of like the tanks with the lids flying off, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's absolutely nuts. Like, yeah, the, I remember the, seeing the, the explanation as to why the, the top of the Russian tanks come off. Is, is it because of um, is it because of the loading mechanism in the Russian tanks? Was it if, if, you, if you hit the tank, the top flies off? Operator starts. Can you, can you tell us a bit more about that if, if you know? Because my memory on it's a little hazy. Uh, not only because of loading mechanism, of course, uh, Russian. Or, or rather Soviet-made tanks, they have their uh, ammunition stored um, in, inside of their uh, turret. Uh, but most of other tanks do, I mean. So uh, it happens due to uh, the detonation of uh, their ammunition. So as soon as all that detonates as soon as that uh, explodes uh, it, it, it can liter literally turn this tank apart yeah, yeah. yeah. we mean adam have seen plenty of photos whereby the, the, obviously the russian tanks are wrecked but the turret is just so far like down yeah. the other end just because it, it, it absolutely flies um yeah it's crazy absolutely and, crazy. and i can tell you that actually those turrets they spend more time flying than Russian pilots. Actually, <laughs> <sad> <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's 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 incredible. I think you know, like the amount of effort you know, and and the courage. I think of the you know the Ukrainian people and you know the heart and the strength that you know you guys have and. You know we're we're all with you behind this we're all uh you know standing behind you um and i think you know you, you do an incredible job and you know i hope it uh stops soon and you know i i think you know you, you're doing an incredible you know incredible job of what, everything that you do um you know and as well as you know your youtube and your content you put out um yeah i think it's, it's, it's i'm really grateful you know to have you on the podcast and you know be able to do this and what we probably could do is you know, do more of these and kind of break them down um, and, and kind of do an ongoing thing. Um, would be a good idea if, you, if you're open to that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I decided to make more uh, videos uh, debunking Russian fakes because I've had a, like a bunch of series dedicated to that back on my channel in Ukrainian. Uh, and I, th I think that it's still going to be available for uh, foreign public as well, because Russians keep uh, repeating their, their fakes over and over again. And I think that uh, people should have at least some facts to be able to uh, understand the, the, the origin of those fakes and uh, understand how to 
debunk them as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope that it, it, it will be useful for, uh, for our friends from other countries as well. And uh, speaking of modern technologies and, and drones and stuff, just a second, I will show you something. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's like we've been uh, thrash surfing with my friend the other day. Uh, we were um, surfing through those wrecks of Russian helicopters. Uh, in Hostomel, we have uh, MI8 and uh, KA-52 that were shot down by our troops, uh, guys from my nice. brigade Yeah, uh, back in February. And uh, yeah, we we're still finding random stuff. So uh, the other day I was there with uh, Dennis, uh, uh, Dennis Davidov. He, he is my idol, I swear. So uh, I subscribed to Dennis like years ago uh, because he was a pilot and uh, yeah, and I was into all those uh, aviation simulators. And yeah, I was subscribed to him for like years. And the day we decided to make this video together, it was like one of the happiest days in my life. So uh, we were surfing through through those wrecks of uh, Russian KA-52 and um, uh, Dennis found uh, a microchip that was made in China. And uh, recently we were there with uh, Christopher, he is a volunteer from Germany. Now he works together with me in my brigade. And uh, we found this um, this microchip. I'm not sure if you can see it well, uh, but it reads Philippines. So uh, this one um, I found um, among the wrecks of KA-52. Uh, I, I think that I will make a picture of it uh, and. Uh, uh, drop it on, on my uh, YouTube, as well as uh, this one that was found. Um, not not sure. Can you see it? it, it sort of lights on it. So, yeah, that looks a bit better. Let's say. Yeah. That's that's not Cyrillic, guys. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so I found this one uh, among the racks of uh, Mi Eight. And MI8 actually is an old, kind of old uh, Soviet helicopter that was made way back in 80s, uh, something like that. So, yeah, some amazing finds. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? Like, you know, what you, what you found. And I think, like, it, it just shows, because I saw some articles that they were getting things out of storage, deep out of deep storage, because they just kind of, you know, running out or just trying, you know, just trying to use what they've had over the years, you know, even the the weapon systems. I saw a video of some guys kind of thrown into a truck, these Russian uh, soldiers or conscripts or whatever, and they, they had like really, really old weapons that you would kind of see in a, you know, World War II game. Um, yeah. Kind of, so yeah, it's, it's true. And uh, that's why all those sanctions that are placed on Russia in, uh, in, a long-term perspective, they are efficient because like 90% of their parts were purchased abroad from other countries, from European countries, from uh, Philippines, 
from Asian countries and uh, yeah, they simply cannot reproduce their airplanes, their tanks uh, because they don't have parts. And uh, of course, you know, they, they can expect China to sell them something at least, but uh, China is not interested in helping Russia. China is interested in helping China because, you know, they are more interested in saving those hundreds of billions of income that uh, they have that they receive from trading with the West, with Europe, uh, rather than, you know, that uh, less than 100 billions that they receive from trading with uh, Russia. So, yeah. Uh, and and it, it, I can it is say, a big deal with Russia. Yeah, yeah, kind of. But uh, again, we see that uh, China is always interested in benefiting China, so to say. Uh, and uh, that's why those uh, sanctions that were placed on Russia, they are very, very effective. And uh, we have yet to see just how much effective they are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's, it's interesting times, isn't it? And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what unfolds and what happens and, you know, like the, the desperation, you know, what, you know, with where they're at. Um, and like as as well, like where can people like just to kind of like wrap up this first part of uh, you know our podcast? Like, where can people find your YouTube content, uh, your Instagram, your social media, Starsky and Tom as well? Uh, like where? Your your where can people find you? Like your YouTube content, like your your tag. Where can people search to find your your content? It's literally Operator Starsky or War Hipster 69. And 69 is, is a horoscopic sign of cancer. It's not what you think. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, uh, it's like Operator That's Starsky. You can find me like anywhere. Oh, it's awesome. Where can we find you, Tom? On Instagram or. Oh, no, it's right. I'm, I'm, you, yeah. you okay? Oh, good. <laughs> just just I, make I can... Sure, yeah, just 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 make sure to tag operate starts getting everything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, when you upload this. Yeah, we'll do. Right. But um but yeah, no, it's been it's been a pleasure talking to you, Operator Starsky. Um I'm sorry we've only got like an hour today, but um we can definitely continue this and you know carry this on. But Thank I'll, you so much, my friends. Thank you for inviting me today. It was uh absolutely a pleasure to to talk to you and I hope that, uh, yeah, that uh, we will have some more podcasts together with you. Yeah, definitely. You take care and all the best. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Nice. Yeah.